This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. I love the idea that with our longer lives, it is possible to go into a period of renaissance rather than retirement. I see it as a renaissance. And I think that we need to open our minds more and more to this third act of life and see it as a potential period of rebirth. Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Well, today more story than science, and it's a story of a lady who refused to accept that once she retired, that was it. She was looking for a new challenge. But how easy is it for older people to start again, perhaps even to start a new business. Trisha is from Wimbledon in the UK, but we're meeting in Los Angeles, and the reason for that will become clear in a second. Trisha, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Thank you very much, Peter. In fact, we're in Beverly Hills. We're talking just before the Oscars, and when we publish this episode of the podcast on Tuesday, the Oscars will have just happened, the awards will have been handed out, and of course, for this town, this is the event of the year and it's the at least the one day at least of the year that everyone wants to look fabulous <laughs> and that's where you come in indeed it is yes that's exactly what uh, my business is called look fabulous forever do you mind if i ask you right at the beginning how old are you i'm 70 you're 70 now i am yes and when did you retire well, I wasn't actually fully retired when I had the idea for this business. Um, I, I, I always describe myself as semi-retired in that I was still doing a little bit of odds and ends of work, but I was more or less winding down towards retirement, let's put it that way. And this was about five years ago? Yeah, I was, I was 65, yeah. And what had you done for most of your career? What was your profession? Uh, most of my working life, I'd been a management training consultant, so working with large corporate uh, businesses and training their staff. Uh, management training. And was it a, a busy life? Was it a frenetic sort of life? It was a very busy life, yes. Uh, a very fulfilling life, something that I enjoy doing very much. Actually, something then happened um, just after I turned 64. My daughter, Susie, um, my younger daughter, was pregnant and uh, had a baby. And unfortunately, the baby was very sick. And what that propelled me into for nearly a year was a huge amount of hands-on mothering and hands-on grandmothering because I was very needed during that year to uh, support what was a very difficult situation. The baby was in hospital for about 10 months. She has a rare chromosomal abnormality and the, uh, the needs for me were to step in and look after her sister who was two and a half, uh, to spend some of the time in, in hospital with India because she was, as I said, very sick and generally to support my uh, daughter and son-in-law because they were naturally quite distraught. The baby wasn't thought uh, to be capable of surviving uh, but she did survive and uh, fortunately was discharged from hospital with quite a comprehensive care package and then I was sitting at home on my sofa having just turned 65 the following year and thinking to myself what do I do for the rest of my life um, I felt very 
very, very, very much in need of a new challenge and new direction and to do something uh, exciting and different. Had those thoughts ever occurred to you during your working life? In other words, what will I do when I get to my mid-60s? Had you ever really considered it and thought about it seriously? I honestly hadn't. Um, I think my life was just rolling along. There was no particular need to think those thoughts. I was reasonably comfortably retired from a from a financial point of view, and um, it was the it was the crisis of India's survival really that brought home to me the absolute need to live every moment of your life uh, to the full. When you're sitting in a hospital ward with sick babies around you uh, who could die at any moment, and we had quite a lot of um, events with India where it looked like she wouldn't survive, you realise that life hangs by a thread. And it brought it home to me so powerfully that the following year, when, as I said, the crisis was over, I kept thinking, I might live for another 20 or 30 years, or I might die tomorrow. And somehow I have to reconcile those two positions. And I have to do something with the rest of my life. So it was the fragile nature of life that kind of preyed on your mind at that time. Very much so, and in a way that had never it had never occurred to me before, very powerfully, and uh, I think it, it has informed uh, the decisions and choices I've made ever since. So, what did you do? Well, I uh, I kept thinking maybe I could join a, a Scrabble club or something, but I'm, <laughs> Scrabble clubs are full of nerds, um, nerdy men particularly. Um, Knowing what you did go on to do, that couldn't be as far removed as exactly. Anything else I, I had all these random thoughts. In other words, um, I thought I might become a magistrate, um, but in fact, magistrates. Uh, yeah, I was too old, basically. Um, I had these odd ideas, and then I kept thinking, what do I love? What, you know, what, what, what am I passionate about? So I thought I've always loved business. Um, I'm quite entrepreneurial. And I have always absolutely loved makeup. I'm a complete makeup junkie. And I was really cross with the beauty industry and the way that it treats older women. I very much dislike the anti-aging rhetoric of the beauty industry. Um, I think it's quite insulting when you're in your mid-60s. What, what, what is that rhetoric? Well, the rhetoric is you mustn't under any circumstances show any signs of aging and if you do you're doing something wrong there's something wrong with you you know you should be doing something about it or else so you should be slapping on this very expensive cream to stop it happening so I guess you don't like it when we see phrases and expressions and headlines that include anti-aging turning no. the clock back and no. all that kind of thing. I absolutely loathe it and I loathe it because I think it's it's ridiculous uh, we all know at heart that nothing stops the aging process um, aging is an inevitable and natural uh, event in one's life and I think uh, that the continual pressure on particularly on women actually to, to look as young and uh, youthful as possible is is ridiculous and uh, and it needs to stop actually. Where so. does it come from? Why is there that sort of societal pressure to constantly look young? Uh, where does it come from? I guess it comes from this profound fear we all have of dying, so that ageing is aging is a symbol, you know, is a sign that we're all moving towards uh, the inevitable. Um, I also think that for women, we are always under a huge amount of pressure about our looks and that the beauty industry has always associated youth with beauty. It has never associated older age with beauty. And so therefore, if you associate something with, um, with youth, then if you're moving in the opposite direction, you can't have it. You know, how can you be beautiful if you're older? Uh, you've got to be young. And why do you think there's less pressure on men? 
from the same perspective? I, well, I think there there is a um, a tradition in the in uh, for, for males around. I mean, there's the silver fox. So the silver fox is seen is seen to be an older man who's got the silvering hair, you know, the grey hair, but is still sexy. He's still attractive. He's still likely to be able to attract a younger mate. And you've got this. I think I've seen some research that says that women are seen to be past it 10 years younger than a man. And you've only got to look at the media. You've only got to look at the people who are allowed to appear on television and in the, you know, in the public eye. There are far more older men than there are older women. I was going to say, because these societal pressures are more than just looks. They are in terms of career, acceptance Absolutely. in society, in, in the boardroom. Yeah. They all apply, don't they? They absolutely do apply, and I think that um, I think that's where the tragedy of our society lies. Really, that the waste of talent. I feel that starting this business in the way that I did meant that I brought together all the skills, all the knowledge, all the ability that I had actually accrued over a fairly long working life into one place, and. Uh, the fact that I'm 70, which is quite old, to still be working in the way that I am. It's old in the traditional sense. Absolutely. But, it, you know, it's, it's a, a huge benefit to be the age that I am. It is. So you had the knowledge, you had the inspiration, you knew what you liked. How did you then go about achieving what you've done starting a new business? Well, what happened was I... Uh, thought about the stake that I would need to invest the money that I would would need I didn't want to borrow it Uh, I didn't want to go to my family members or anything like that so I worked out that I could probably afford to gamble with about 40,000 pounds so this was savings that I had and I just thought I I'm going to see if I've got enough to create a beauty business selling makeup specifically formulated for older women that was my idea and um, I, I mooted that idea to my uh, two daughters on Mother's Day of 2013 uh, when I was having lunch with them. And I said, tell me if you think I'm completely bonkers. Uh, but I've got this idea for a new business. And they were both really enthusiastic and said, do it, Mum. Do it. Why not? What's, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And I said, well, the worst that could happen, I lose £40,000, but it, you know, that won't matter too much. And um, so that was the starting point. So in the back of your mind, you've used the word gamble. There yeah. was that sense that this was taking a bit of a leap into the unknown. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The thing about uh, an entrepreneur, there is a moment when you've just got to do it and there will be a, an element of risk involved in that. I think as an older entrepreneur, you have to be aware that that risk has to be mitigated to a certain extent. That if you risk your shirt, the shirt on your back or the roof over your head, then you'll be very stupid because you haven't got the time to make it back. But you had the courage of your convictions and the support of your family, which I guess must have been pretty important. It was hugely important because... Clearly, if I was going to take this risk, I needed to think that they supported the idea and that they were, as I said, they didn't think that I was being very stupid or very ridiculous uh, to, to even attempt it. And I just, I just thought, I, I need this new challenge and why don't I do it and have some fun with it? So at that stage, what information did you have that convinced you about the market, the audience for what you were doing? Because that ultimately for any business is is crucial, the customers. Uh, Yes. Uh, So I did no market research whatsoever. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. I mean, it was completely naive. It's fascinating to know, though. But I kind of 
backed my instinct, my hunch. Your gut feeling. There must be lots of women who felt like I did. And when I say felt like I did, I mean had a degree of frustration with the products that were available to them, had a degree of, um, I don't know, feeling offended by the beauty industry, not seeing themselves reflected back within the beauty industry, not not feeling valued by the beauty industry. And I, I kept thinking, I can't be just the only one. You know, I cannot be the only one. There must be other women like me. And maybe if I used the makeup on real older faces and I used language which was upbeat and positive and celebratory rather than putting the fear of God into uh, into us all because we're getting older, then that will resonate maybe with... with uh, my to- my target audience now i'm not an expert but far from it but what was your frustration with the products that you had available to you um i i was buying lots of different brands and testing them continually makeup would disappear very fast older skin is very thirsty so it would tend to be the the foundations that i was trying were made for a younger skin so a younger well, skin is very smooth when you say thirsty yeah, thirsty, so dehydrated. Okay. Yeah, right. so it tends to suck the makeup in very fast. So you'd put it on in the morning and by lunchtime it would more or less have disappeared. And I knew that something like a face primer would stop that, but it had to be formulated in the right way. Um, older, older women's eyebrows tend to be very faded or they've been overplucked, so you need a good eyebrow product. But a lot of the ones on the market were too heavy. They were too for uh, very very much for the for the more youthful look of, a, of that heavy eyebrowed fashion which we've got at the moment um my lipstick was feathering and bleeding into the lines around my mouth so that it would be a fuzzy at the edge which didn't look very attractive um so I had a lot of these issues and I was by the time um I got to 65 I'd been doing a lot of trial and error and I was using about 10 or 11 different brands and I kept thinking why don't I bring it under one umbrella and say all of these products have been thought through and they have benefits and specific things which will be better if you're older. So it kind of amazes me that someone hadn't leapt into this space already that mm. uh, there were so many issues that you've just highlighted that there mm. was a quite a vast market it seems. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Why hadn't somebody thought of it before? And I think they hadn't thought of it before because if you look, it's true of the fashion industry as well, if you look at the beauty industry, they are always moving towards the younger end of the market. They believe that that is where the growth lies, that if you hook young girls into a a particular brand fairly early on, they'll stay with you and they don't have to look at attracting older women to their ranges and they don't bother and they don't try. They actually have a profound belief, which was expressed to me by a beauty insider just before I launched, that older women don't wear makeup, don't want to wear makeup and actually are not interested in wearing makeup all of which I knew was not true. So they'd almost just written off that. Actually, as anyone understands ageing and demographics, it is a rapidly growing sector of society. Completely. And, And actually, I just kept thinking, they are so wrong about this. They're wrong about it. They ignore us. There's almost derision. I mean, I would go so far as to say that. If I go into a beauty hall in a big department store, there is nothing in that beauty hall that speaks to me. The the girls who are selling the makeup are young. They don't look the way I want to look. They look beautiful, but but not in the way that I want to look. They are selling products that they, 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 they don't understand older skin or older needs, and they can't sell it to you in, a, in an appropriate way. And 
I just knew that they, they you know, it, it's not in their DNA, I would suggest. So you had the ideas, you had the knowledge, and you essentially knew what the market needed. You knew the kind of products, you knew the issues with the existing products. What was your next stage in developing this into a profitable business? Uh, to find a cosmetic manufacturer who would listen to me. And I googled cosmetic manufacturers because I knew none. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, it's one way to start. And I actually found somebody in Suffolk, which is where I'm from. And I phoned him up and said, told him on the phone what I wanted. And he said, come and talk to me. I'm very interested in this. I, th- I think this is an interesting idea. So I went to see him. I liked him on site. And he was very positive. Uh, I was extremely enthusiastic, as you can imagine, about what I wanted to do. And he he just listened. And he said he did me the most enormous favor, which I didn't realize until uh, quite some time afterwards. But he said, um, I told him that I didn't have a huge amount of money. And he said, well, what I'll do then is to make only 200 of each of your products at a time. And then you can sell those and come back for more. And I have since discovered that the minimum order quantities for most cosmetic manufacturers is 5,000. So he almost invested in my business uh, by charging me very, you know, modest amounts for modest quantities. And then did you work very closely with him on the actual manufacturing? Because you knew what you wanted. You knew what the issues were with the existing products. I I did, yeah. Did he get that initially? Yes. So I took all the products I was using and I went through each one and said, this is why this one I think is better this works really well for me. And I just kept describing the benefits that I wanted from the makeup that, you know, it's got to do this. It's got to, for instance, eyeshadows. An eyeshadow on an older eyelid that's crepey, if it's shiny or shimmery, it looks horrible. So I said, I've got, you've got to make all my eyeshadows really matte. And that way you can reshape the eye, but it looks a lot prettier. And uh, I said, I never send me any eyeshadows that have got any shimmer or shadow in them. And I I did that for every single product. And we ended up with a range of 12 things. And uh, he uh, kept sending me test samples and things, which I kept getting, sending them to my friends to get them to try them till I was happy with the range. And then we we pressed the button and, and, uh, and had it manufactured. And you pressed the button and people responded. They did, yes. One thing that really made a difference to our business and actually made it grow very fast was that I knew that um, video was a perfect medium to show makeup because obviously you can see it being applied and you can see how it works. And um, I got eight of my friends together in a room and we did a series of photographs, before and after photographs. And with two of them, we decided to make a vid- make two videos and we made them quite professionally in a studio and when they were done the person who helped me make them said you know what we should put these onto YouTube not just onto the website and I thought that was a completely stupid idea because I just thought nobody will see them and is is that because you just didn't understand YouTube or how it worked it was partly that it was partly ignorance of YouTube but it was also a belief that older women wouldn't be on YouTube it was a belief that um, I'm not a famous makeup artist I wasn't using celebrities I was using my friends and that nobody would find them or watch them and I was completely wrong fortunately for me because within about three or four months they were being viewed 
1,500 views a day, which was gobsmacking. I can't tell you how surprised I was. And at that moment, my original idea was to sell the makeup direct uh, at makeover parties. But from the moment that YouTube videos took off, the orders started to come in literally from all over the world. So I was getting orders from places like Alaska and Hawaii and Canada and Australia and the States. And I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. I watched the sales just going up and up and up. And uh, it was incredibly exciting. How did you feel? Uh, excited, slightly scared, um, because it, it, w- it turned quite quickly from being a bit of a hobby and a bit of fun and something to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> Two or three people said quite quickly, this could be massive. And part of me was terrified. And then my uh, older daughter joined me and she got lots of PR for the business. Suddenly I had somebody to talk to about it, to discuss uh, with, you know, what was happening in the business. And that made a huge difference. Plus, she spread the word very successfully. And, and then my other daughter joined the business and she started to look after the money and the stock. And suddenly we became a proper operation and that took the pressure off me considerably and i guess that moral support and again i kind of mentioned this earlier that the moral support and the practical support from your family must have made all the difference at that stage oh it was it was huge i to, and still is very important to me because both both daughters are still uh, very important in the business and the fact that we are a family operation and that we work together you know it, it increases the pleasure that i get from every day exponentially. I mean, it's just the, the pleasure that I get is huge because of it. So you are hugely successful now. This is all developed over the last few years. Here you are in Hollywood, yes. Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. What's happening? Well, we're here. I, I, we, we, we were having a dinner last night in a very nice restaurant here in Los Angeles. And the three of us looked at each other and said, this is quite unbelievable. How did we get to be here in, in a relatively short period of time? It's just over, it's about four and a half years since I launched the business. And we're here because um, our beautiful uh, primers, face, eye and lip primers have been accepted to go into the um, the gift bags that are given to Oscar nominees. So we're here because of the Oscars and every person that's nominated for an Oscar will, uh, will receive alongside a lot of other gifts, um, our makeup. The so-called goodie bags. The so-called goodie bags, indeed. So I'm absolutely thrilled. Now, let's just pause there, though. How on earth did you achieve that? Because I can imagine lots of people in similar positions. That would be a dream come true in yes. terms of the publicity that you might get and probably yeah. will get because of being in those goodie bags. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, the origins of that were that we, we've always had a sizable chunk of our business um, going to the States. So we, we've, we've had uh, lots of very happy customers here in, in America. And as a result of that, uh, my daughter decided that uh, we needed to increase our exposure in the States. And so we have an excellent uh, PR uh, person over here um, called David. And um, he has been instrumental in helping us to do that, which has been really brilliant initially we thought oh my goodness there's no way um that's going to be you know beyond our capacity uh but it isn't and it hasn't been and i'm i'm absolutely thrilled to say that we got the product into the country and um and it's you know they are as we speak sitting there waiting for the uh, oscar nominees and coming full circle to where we started you are you're 70 years old now you started this a, a few years ago as you look back as to how you felt at the age of, of 65 just mm. wondering what to do next knowing now what you've achieved 
What's your emotion? How do you feel about that? And how do you put it into perspective? And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I feel um, overwhelmed in many ways uh, that that it's happened in the way that it has. In terms of of how I feel from an aging perspective, I would go so far as to say that five years on, I feel five years younger, if that makes sense. So I haven't aged five years in the last uh, five years. I've actually become younger by five years, I would suggest. And by which I mean that I am enjoying my life, I'm excited, enthusiastic, and I, I look forward with enormous anticipation and delight as to what is to come yet. Uh, I feel that this has been the best part of my life, really has been the best part of my life. And I love the idea that with our longer lives, it is possible to go, go into a period of renaissance, rather than retirement. I see it as a renaissance. And I think that um, we need to open our minds more and more to this third act of life and see it as a potential period of rebirth, because I do think it's possible. This really is putting a kind of a new spin on age reversal. And uh, I started by talking about anti-aging and all of these phrases that we hear that frankly don't really mean that much. And, but you talked about turning the clock back five years. And I think that is a credible thought that you can feel younger than your actual years might dictate that you, or at least some people would think you should feel at that age, that you have actually through business achievement, through activity, through making new connections and presumably learning new skills, you actually feel younger. I do. And I I think that the route into entrepreneurialism, if you like, and business isn't for everyone. But the message for everyone is that it's it's about living with purpose. And it's about having something to focus on and to, to engage with and to enjoy. And it doesn't matter what that is. So whether it's about learning something new or traveling somewhere exciting or, um, or deciding just to do something you've always wanted to do, it doesn't have to be a business. It's, a, it, it's about having something in, interesting to get up to every day, uh, something that uh, makes you want to get up and uh, and do what it, whatever it is that you're doing. And I wonder, maybe some people are wondering just physically how you deal with this, how you cope with the, the pressures and the, maybe some of the stresses of, of, of doing something like this. Has it invigorated you? I, I definitely think it's invigorated me. In fact, um, a, a year ago, I've never done any exercise in my entire life. I've not been a gym bunny at all, quite the opposite. Uh, but a year ago, I decided to, uh, to start... Um, exercising with a personal trainer who comes to my house twice a week and I can't believe how well I've responded to that and I, I, do, I really do think that we underestimate the capacity of the human body to uh, as I said to, to to be able at whatever age you are to, uh, to to be well and to be fit and to be active 
um, you know, we, we have some really weird beliefs about what ageing is. And I think we need to start challenging some of those beliefs. That's really fascinating to me that your achievements in business, that one of the spin-offs has actually been to encourage you to start exercising at a relatively late stage in your life, considering you hadn't done anything before, and you're reacting so positively to yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Well, my mantra is it's never too late. And um, and I think uh, going back to, to what we started at the beginning of the conversation with this, this uh, sitting in a hospital ward surrounded by sick babies, you know, we, we, we have this life. As far as we know, there is only one, one life that we have. And it's, it's, uh, it's very, very important that we don't finish at some arbitrary stage and say, oh, well, that's my life done, you know, done and dusted. I'm retired now. And see that as a, as a withdrawal from the world in some way, shape or form. I think the opposite needs to happen. We need to see it as, uh, as, as the potential to, to, to stay very much engaged with the world. We talked about the support of your family. I'm curious how your friends and, and contemporaries reacted with that thought in mind that some people will think, well, why is she doing this at that stage? Couldn't she just relax and enjoy her retirement <laughs> and maybe travel a little bit? Why would she want to invite all of that potential pressure and stress of starting a business? Yes, I mean, I have to say that my friends have been amazing, uh, so supportive of me, have, have volunteered to be in videos, have been in the photographs that I've done. I think they love it as much as I do, do you know? I, I really do. And I think that they, they get a kick out of it and... Um, uh, and have been extremely supportive of everything that I've done. You've written a book as well. We've got it here, Living the Life More Fabulous. Yes. And this isn't just about beauty and style. It, it is about that empowerment that you talk about yes. for older women. Yes. I wanted the book to very much reflect this, uh, what I've been talking to you about, really. Um, it is about uh, makeup and hair and style, but I've done a chapter on confidence um, I've also done a chapter which is called Living the Life More Fabulous, which is about risk taking. And it's it, it it reflects the fact that we are living longer, but it also reflects the fact that there, you know, there is a way to do that that is satisfying and exciting and interesting and um and a way to stay engaged, as I said. And your phrase on the just looking at the back of the book, old is the new fabulous. Yes. <laughs> Why not? And what sort of I'm just curious, you were in Hollywood or in Los Angeles, has there been a, a positive media response to what you're doing? Oh, a huge media response, yes. I think the and you know, the anomaly of um having an older entrepreneur is, is interesting to to quite a lot of people. Um and so therefore this is, of course, what happened when my daughter joined me because her background was in PR, that the story of somebody of my age actually starting a business in the way that I did and, and then turning it into a, a, a serious success was obviously quite an attractive one. And um, we've had a lot of media attention and, and that has had a, a huge impact on our business. And what next for you? Oh, what next? Um, I was, somebody asked me that a, a couple of three years ago, and she said, so, Tricia, what next? And I said, uh, global domination. So uh, perhaps I should say the same to I you. think you're well on the way to that, aren't you? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would love it if Look Fabulous Forever became the premier makeup brand for older women and so that we were known, really well-known uh, on a, on a global stage, actually, as being a, a really go-to brand for um, the makeup needs of older women. We're just about to launch a skincare range, so that's another what next for us. And um, I really hope the book is successful. I think the book, for me, is um, is a way to 
to challenge some of those uh, assumptions of, of our very ageist society. Um, I, w- I would love it to give me a platform so that I can get out there and say to younger people, you know what, this has got to stop. You have got to stop writing us off just because we've uh, reached some older age that you think is the point at which we need to do you wish, leave the stage. Do you wish that you had had a different attitude when you were 20 or 30? Um I've always done things at the wrong age. I, I've spent my life doing things at, the, at an age you wouldn't expect uh, me to be doing those things. So I think I've always challenged sort of ageist assumptions. But I think one of the benefits of being told when you're younger that um, that there's nothing to fear about getting older, that it it doesn't have to be about big becoming feeble and uh, and you know declining in some way, that that gives you more hope. You know, if we are go- all going to live 100-year lives, which is we're heading towards now, fast. At least. Yeah, at least, if not more, then we have to completely reframe what that experience is going to be. You know, we're not now, you know, three score years and 10, which is what I was brought up to believe. That's what you had. That was your natural span. That has gone now. So we've got this extra phase of life and we have to find new ways to think about it, new ways to talk about it, and new ways to live it. And you've almost answered it, but a question I often ask people is, how do you view your own longevity? And do you have goals in mind? I I view my own longevity as the most amazing blessing. And I I have a goal, a very clear goal. When I'm 90, uh, my daughter Susie will be 60. And my son, grandson Patrick will be 30. And I want, Susie will definitely have a big birthday party when she's 60 because she has big birthday parties all the time. (laughs) And why not? So she'll have a big birthday party when she's 60. And I want to be at her birthday party as a 90-year-old. And I want to be dancing, really dancing. I'm talking about giving it, you know, my all with my 30-year-old grandson Patrick. And I have such a clear picture in my head. I'm not going to be in a wheelchair wagging, you know, waggling my stick. I'm going to be up on that dance floor and I'm going to be dancing around with Patrick. And I want everybody in the room to say, she's 90, you know, isn't she amazing? <laughs> so there you go. That's my goal. That is a great image. And it's, uh, I think it's an excellent way to end this. Uh, very inspiring what you're doing. I wish you all the best and enjoy the rest of your time in Hollywood, Los Angeles. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Tricia. Thank and you. if you'd like to check out Tricia's work and her company, I'll put links into the show notes for this episode. You'll find them at the Lama Podcast website. That's double L A M A podcast.com. Just before we go, a reminder there's lots of ways to listen to us. We're tune in, Google Play Music, our website, LamaPodcast.com, and of course, Apple Podcasts as well. And if you enjoy what we do, a nice five star review at iTunes would be hugely appreciated if you think we deserve it. And it would certainly help us to grow the podcast in the future. Many thanks for listening. FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Ruud. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. FlexBeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A.
You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.